2: This week on the Chicago Bears Review. In 2017, with a first-year head coach and a second-year quarterback, the Rams shocked the world, won the NFC West, and made the playoffs. And even with the target on their back, they look to do it all again and much more in 2018. Can the Rams stay on top in the West, or are they one and done? Brad Mater from Locked on Rams joins us on the final NFC West preview episode of The Chicago Bears Review. Fourth and final NFC West opponent preview episode. I believe it's number 10. Yeah, number 10 of 14 as we uh, finish up the NFC West and move on to the NFC North and wrap this baby up just in time for training camp. What's going on, everybody? Larity back for the fourth and final NFC West opponent preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review featuring last year's surprise division champ, the LA Rams, and in a few minutes we will have our our new friend Brad Mater, the trader, from Locked On Rams to uh to help us preview this team, talk about what a what a roller coaster uh twenty seventeen was, even going into the offseason, you know, ending the the Jeff Fisher era and 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 hiring uh you know McVay and and, and all the moves and everything to prepare for 2017 and then watching it all work out. and then at the same time, basically how the Rams have kind of pushed their chips to the center of the table and gone all in to try to strike while the iron is hot and and go from being a playoff team to being a Super Bowl contender in 2018. You hear me tell him and I, and I think I mentioned it last week or last episode as well that uh, when I was looking at the uh, NFL preview magazines for 2018, Every single one has the Rams repeating as division champ. Two of them have them making the Super Bowl, and one has them winning uh, the Super Bowl. I forget which one it was. I think it was maybe Street and Smith or something like that. But it has them uh, beating the Steelers in Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta. Uh, next February, so I mean, there's there's very high expectations, and um, you know, basically a, an understanding that the moves that the Rams have made really have made them better, and that will improve their chances of be a, being able to make it through the gauntlet that is the NFC. I mean, it is a uh, a loaded conference right now. I mean, and it's it's loaded because there are a lot of good football teams in it, and because there's also a lot of potential in this division as well. I mean, we've talked about it a ton just with these four teams in the NFC West. I mean, the Rams on paper are head and shoulders the best team in the division. Can the 49ers um, keep up what they finished up? five straight wins, two of them over playoff teams? Well, three if you want to count the, the, the no-nonsense win at the end of the, uh, Week 17 when the Rams sat everybody. But um, you know, can Arizona bounce back with this new coach, this new attitude, uh, and everything? And then, of course, there's the Seattle Seahawks. You can never count them out. I mean, those three teams that we just talked about there—Arizona, Seattle, and um, San Francisco—none of those teams made the playoffs. But people are expecting big things from all of them. Then you have, you know, with the with the with the North, and you know, what the Bears might be capable of. Can Detroit uh, do something? You know they've they've added LeGarrette Blunt, They've they've got a running. They, they supposedly have a running game now. Matt Patricia hopefully puts some focus on the defense to help out their offense, which has always been good. Aaron Rodgers returns in Green Bay. The, those three teams right there didn't make the playoffs and have potential to do so, along with Minnesota right now being the class of the division, and we can do that for the South. Had That had three playoff teams in it last year, and it, the, the, the team in the division that didn't was the, was the one that was really supposed to and being the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Can they bounce back from what they didn't do a year ago? And then you have the NFC East, will Washington thrive with Alex Smith instead of Kirk Cousins at quarterback? Can the Cowboys rebound from a bad year? You know, uh, can the Giants uh w- with their new weapons and Saquon Barkley and and, and all of uh, healthy Odell Beckham and everything, will they be able to come back? And can the Eagles repeat uh, as the class of the division? I mean, we just did all 16 teams right there and there's a legitimate case to be made for all of them to make the playoffs in 2018. It's going to be a a murderous conference to get through this year i mean and that's the thing about the the way that the nfl schedule is shaped is that you play what like 12 11 or 12 i think 12 of your 16 games against people in your conference you got your six division games you got four against your outer division team then you have your two same place teams that's 12 games that's 75 percent of your schedule inside the conference and you know a lot can be told there uh, as far as what you're going to be able to do uh, going forward. So, I mean, it's it's pretty amazing uh, what the teams in the NFC are going to have to go through in order to, A, make the playoffs, and B, make it through the playoffs to get to Atlanta and Super Bowl 53. So, not a whole lot to talk about. Actually, I don't have much of anything. Uh, one, one interesting thing that I did see... Um, on the, you know, when I was trying to find some news and notes and everything was that Akeem Hicks is pissed at the people of Madden, who people who make Madden uh, 19, which is set to come out here in a few weeks because Akeem's rating took a little bit of a dip this year. Last year for Madden 18, Akeem Hicks was rated at number 86 overall. And this year he's 85 overall. Now, not a big dip, but um, Akeem has a point. He's like, how did my rating get worse when I had a better season? You know, for the second year in a row, he set his career mark in sacks. He had more tackles. He was more of an animal. And he was, I think, one of the only guys on the field for the Bears that played in all 16 games. Uh, last year He is a rarity as far as being able to answer the bell for all 16 Sundays and somehow his rating went down uh, a step so uh, he's telling the people at Madden to fix my damn rating because I'm better than I was two years ago and and you know he took a I mean it's like I said not a big hit but going from 86 to 85 when you had a better season that Actually, I can see his point. That does not make any sense. So, uh, Akeem Hicks was was ranting and telling the people of Madden they need to fix his rating. Uh, if uh, you know, if they want to be true to themselves and true to the game, Akeem Hicks was a better player in 2017 than he was in 2016, and his rating should reflect that. And yet his rating got a little bit worse. So uh, I just thought that was funny that he was uh, and true. As a matter of fact, like I said, I can see the I can see his argument. He did have a better season. In 2017, and uh, somehow his rating took a dip, and uh, the people of Madden do need to go ahead uh, and fix that. So, like I said, I don't have anything else. Um, basically, it's just a bunch of uh, you know, a bunch of stuff out there talking about the potential of what could and could not happen. I feel like we just kind of did that real quick about what a what a murderer's role the NFC is going to be. Uh, this year. And n- at no surprise whatsoever, in all of those magazines that I looked at, there were four of them. It was either New England or Pittsburgh in the Super Bowl for all in, in all four of those uh, magazines. So they didn't throw out a rant. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's
1: electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet.
0: The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.
2: Random Denver or a Kansas City or, you know, or anything uh, like that. It's like, nope, it'll be New England or it'll be Pittsburgh those were the you know of the the four magazines in there i think it was an even 2 and 2 split on pittsburgh or new england uh making the super bowl in the afc and that's the problem with the afc there needs to be a new a couple of new teams uh coming out of there to to you know reclaim the uh reclaim the the you know to to add some parity to the to that half of the uh of the league because that that half of the league is boring it it really is it's always going to be these one or two teams and all credit in the world goes to those teams for being those two teams you know always in the mix and when denver was was hot they, they were constantly in the mix and when peyton was in in indianapolis they were always in the mix so instead of two teams it was four you know what i'm saying and then maybe every once in a while the ravens would be a contender uh to make it five but um you know, it was always going to be New England or Pittsburgh. And then, and since Peyton left Indianapolis, it's always been New England or Pittsburgh. And then Denver got in there once or twice. So it's, um, it's boring on that half of the division because it's such a top-heavy uh, conference that uh, it's not really entertaining to keep an eye on. You know, it really could have uh, been uh, Jacksonville. But as we uh, talked about when we did the New England conversation, uh, with, um, with Alex Shane that uh, the the Patriots – well, the Patriots are the Patriots, and the Jaguars, I don't know if they panicked or if they wanted to put it on cruise control or whatever the case was. They were all about attacking, attacking, attacking for like the first two, three quarters of the football game, and then the second they took their foot off the gas, New England took advantage and ended up winning the NF- AFC championship game and going back to the Super Bowl. When it could have been a a, uh, as good as the Super Bowl was, it would have been much more interesting going into it, at least, for it to be Philly and Jacksonville, because then we would have a true brand-new champion as opposed to, well, it's either going to be somebody different or it's going to be New England again. So hopefully that will happen in our lifetime, and we'll see some new blood in the AFC and open things up over there. But we know as fans of a team in the NFC, it's always exciting on this half because the competition is heavy. Competition is heavy in the NFC. So, anyway, that's going to do it. I'm going to go ahead and step aside. Bring on our friend Brad Mater, the Trader. We do talk to him about that that traitorous, uh, you know, ability of his, and and why he did what he did, and why he chose to do it. And you will not believe his answer as far as how long he has actually been a Rams fan. I don't know if this will make you like him more or less, or or what have you. Uh, his answer is legit you know uh, I don't say he's getting a pass from me but I I guess I get it but uh you know I, I I was expecting a much different answer than the one I got so you guys will enjoy this here we go Brad Mader the trader from locked on Rams helping us preview the 2018 la Rams. Yeah. The fourth and final piece of our NFC West preview takes us to the top of the division and a surprise team from a year ago. The 2017 NFC West champions, the LA Rams, uh, with a second year quarterback, a first year coach who's just got out of, you know, just finished puberty, became a head coach in Sean McVay. Uh, they shocked the world. They go 11 and five. They make the playoffs, win the division, and here to help us, uh, preview the team in 2018 and the expectations that they have to live up to and, and, and deal with all year. Uh, Brad Mater from the Locked on Rams podcast. Brad, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, appreciate it. Uh, man, that intro was great. I love <laughs> hearing all that. It's crazy to hear you just say Los Angeles Rams on top of the division, uh, how far we've come in a short time. But yeah, thanks for having me on.
2: Not a problem. Well, actually, we do have a problem, Brad, because I have a question. <laughs> Uh, And and when we were emailing each other back and forth, uh, talking about having you on the show and and all that kind of stuff, uh, you mentioned that you were a Chicago native. You were born in Chicago, still an avid Cubs fan, but somehow um, you went down the path to the dark side and you are not a Bears fan. Um, What the hell, bro?
1: (laughs) yeah so i was I was born in the midwest uh born in Michigan, born and raised uh bears cubs, bulls midwest uh, but yeah, as my travels took me around, uh, I moved around a lot and i I stayed true. cubs were always and always have been my number one passion that and the Michigan Wolverines kind of were birthed into me from from the get go uh but as I kind of started traveling a little bit and uh, had to go through. Obviously, those Jay Cutler days and pick your quarterback days. Um, You know, I started to kind of fade off a little bit. And then I moved out to L.A. uh, the exact same day the Rams did. So I was sitting at the airport, having a beer, uh, starting my adventure, moving to Los Angeles. And they announced the team was moving. And it just kind of clicked. I said, you know what, I don't don't have to be so much of a bandwagon fan because they were a terrible team at that point. Uh, And I was excited to have uh, a new team in my new city. And I kind of just picked it up and was interested more in in following them. And then a buddy of mine said, hey, man, no one's doing a podcast about this yet. You want to just you always love talking sports. Let's just jump on and and talk about it. And the more and more we covered them and Hard Knocks was that year. And we just kind of got deeper and deeper involved in the team, went through the Jeff Fisher pain uh, and then just kind of really enjoyed the fan base and there I was I had to make a decision you know do I carry two teams I got a lot of crap from my family my brother is still a huge Bears fan uh, gives me crap to this day so I, I do appreciate you, you not letting me slide because a lot of people let me slide and um, but I, I made that decision where it's kind of one of those things where I, I still uh, enjoy the bears in a sense you know i want to see them do well but i've really put a lot of time and commitment into the la rams and and the excite exciting things that are going on over here so uh if i had to rank them yeah the bears have slowly you know fallen off and i put all that chicago love i just load that up into the cubbies they're actually out here in la as we speak
2: so this is a new thing for you
1: (laughs) this is yeah this is this is a new thing um okay
2: see that i didn't know i was thinking that that maybe this was something like you know the you you know when you were younger and and the bears were awful in in the mid to late 90s and then here comes kurt warner and the best show on turf and you've been sucked in since then you got in on the ground floor with the last jeff fisher team in los angeles is that what you're telling me
1: that's exactly what i'm telling you so i lived out in seattle for a while and the further and further i lived overseas in australia kind of just i kind of let the bears go a little bit emotionally Mm. since where i started with them when i was living in chicago and going to games and you know hanging out with the family and uh i kind of just opened up with uh yeah when i moved i i just kind of got so fed up with the bears and Uh, didn't really have that same connection to them and like I said I kind of just jumped on board with curiosity with the Rams and started with the whole podcast of being like let's talk sports and let's get on the mic and next thing you know you just get so invested in the guys and then as you see them go and get that number one draft pick and you can kind of see some excitement there even though at the time we weren't you know me and my co-host James Kroger that we do the show with over at Rams podcast we didn't Really, we weren't really excited about uh, Jared Goff to start, and we want him to play more in his rookie year. We never really thought he got a fair shake until you know last year with Sean McVay. He got that opportunity, and and now we're starting to kind of understand you know what they saw in him you know when they drafted him a couple years ago.
2: Right. Um, so yeah, I uh, I gave you a nickname the last couple of weeks uh, doing these NFC West <laughs> shows while I was kind of you know. You know, teasing the the episodes to come and, you know, talking about you and, you know, born into a Chicago Bear family or a, a Chicago represented family, still a Cubs fan uh, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I've nicknamed you Brad Mater, the traitor. And um, <laughs> I say that I, with I, all due respect, because like uh, yeah, at, no, at the very it. least, you, you got in when there was no reason for you to do it. Um, so I give you credit for that. Uh, you got in when, you know, when when Jeff Fisher was still the coach. A horrible year for you to start out there. And, um, you know, it, it turned around quickly for you. But, um, you know, you got in when you basically had no incentive whatsoever. And, and uh, so, I, 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 you know, I'm not going to let you slide, but I can <laughs> take it easy on you for the fact that you got in when you did.
1: Yeah, I wish this was a a stock investment here. I'd be really paying (laughs) off pretty well at this point. But, yeah, this is all just fandom. And even out here in L.A., you got to, you know, there's a lot of old school fans here, uh, people that came over with, you know, the team as far as being a St. Louis fan. They were invested when they picked Todd Gurley and some of the young talent. Uh, So it's even trying to show them that we deserve to be, you know, all a part of the group. But I think when you go through, you know, a four-win season, and, you know, even following along in the NFL and watching Jeff Fisher and seeing that struggle and then kind of getting it firsthand, uh, watching it so closely. Uh, I think I've earned a little bit of my keep here now. LA. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a it's a new adventure for us out here. And, you know, couldn't be more excited about the way that it's heading and how fast it's coming together. I mean, right. because that's the one big thing out here that, you know, as we got some of these pieces and when Sean McVay was announced, you know, I mean, I remember running to Google really quick and being like, who the heck is this guy? And Mm -hmm. then, as you mentioned, you know, I was thinking, who's going to buy him beer in L.A. when he gets out here? I mean, this guy's so young and and but then you kind of get to know him and you and you feel the passion, energy and what he brings to the team and then how fast it happened was just I think what's what's, you know, is crazy with as you talked about those expectations is you know how fast everything came and then the level of expectations those are rising so fast it's kind of it's fun to watch but it's it's going to be an interesting season for sure
2: so i mean you know i mean not to mention you you got in on the ground floor on a season that was the that suck fest was documented on the all or nothing uh series on on amazon have you had a chance to watch that
1: yeah yeah i did i enjoyed it obviously to the extent of I just love watching that beside, behind the scenes type of yeah. football action. Yeah, I went back and I actually watched the Dallas Cowboys won this last year. And, and now I totally understand why no one wants Des Bryant. Uh, his own team seemed like they didn't want him, you know, in the coaching rooms and things like that. but it gave you a peek back into you know, the core of this team and and that you could see that one, there was obviously some some talent there with uh, you know the young core pieces of Todd Gurley and just hoping that Jared Goff would turn around. Uh, but you could see kind of those key leadership pieces, even in um, you know Sadfold in the offensive line and and you know he didn't have the greatest of year, but you could tell he was a leader in the making and he just needs some pieces around him and, and that we could kind of build off that and then obviously Aaron Donald, I mean it's just a beast. Uh, so I did enjoy watching that. it was a struggle uh, and you realize we you know that year we lost probably three or four games within uh, two to three points. so there were a lot of heartbreaking losses that year as well so The record didn't really show but at the same time it did because that was you know the epitome of jeff fisher was just like coming up short and being let down all the time
2: right so we go into 2017 and we'll just you know recap this one uh real quick i mean the nothing was really expected or at least nothing that happened was what was expected uh from the team. Maybe you'll see a spark, maybe we'll see some uptick in offense because you couldn't get any worse than the Rams were in twenty sixteen. Fourteen points a game. I mean, good God. That is that is historically bad uh yeah. offense right there. And, you know, like McVay, he was, you know, somewhat of an offensive genius, you know, running the ship in, in Washington as an offensive coordinator in his late twenties. I mean, that's unprecedented. Uh, in the NFL he, he does get the call that they love him in LA and he brings the one of the best defensive coordinators ever with him to the Rams and that seemed to kind of be the the equalizer that really helped things you know even out um, you know the defense was good or decent they had a lot of great pieces in 2016 but they took it to another level in 2017 and then they had an offense to back it up
1: yeah that that addition of Wade Phillips was unbelievable. I mean, we get the the young, you know, energetic, offensive minded you know genius as as some are throwing it out there, some being me, you know, out of here right. on the podcast as you're watching some of these play calls and some of the fun things he does with the offense. But um when he picked up Wade Phillips, it was the perfect uh, yin to the yang as far as not only age and personality, uh, but then you know, countering and getting one of the best defensive minds in football. And, you know, coming in and, and giving them one of the def- best defensive players in football. Um, you know, we had we had some pieces and, you know, we had some places where we had some holes. But obviously they've they've kind of addressed that this offseason. It was kind of fun watching, you know, the first offseason, you know, going to and getting Andrew Whitworth, which was huge for a young quarterback to be able to, you know, kind of hold down that line. John Sullivan in the center position. Um, you know, was key for getting Todd Gurley those holes and then adding a couple of wide receivers, you know, in the, not only through the draft with Cooper Cup, which was an amazing hit for us as far as, you know, value where we got him and, and production and, and the type of player he is. But then having Robert Woods come in and everyone kind of be like, oh well, yeah, we, we know who he is. Obviously a big SC guy, uh, probably saw, be, you know, the best part of his careers when he was at SC, he had some okay times at Buffalo, but never really jumped off the map. So kind of came in underrated. Uh, but did amazing for Jared Goff and almost put up a thousand yards. Probably would have if they didn't sit him in Week 17. Uh, side story, really quick side story: they, the Rams did an awesome thing. The organization actually there was a bonus in his um, you know contract. If he got to a thousand yards, he ended up making like two hundred fifty thousand extra dollars. Uh, he was seventeen yards short, something like that. And so the Rams went ahead and paid him his bonus anyway, and basically said, you know, if we played you Week 17, you would have gotten it. So they honored that, which was pretty awesome. But uh, a lot of key pieces came in, and and it all just clicked right away. And obviously, you saw the turnaround. You mentioned 14 points per game uh, the year before, and then they end up leading the league in offense. It was amazing, <clears throat> amazing turnaround.
2: I mean, not to mention, you know, it did take a ton of pressure off Gurley, who ended up being a runner-up in the MVP race. You know, that's how that's how much the 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 extra pieces took the pressure. Off of him because now we have to pay attention to Sammy Watkins. We have to watch Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. You know we got to keep an eye on him. So you can't just load eight, nine guys into the box and pin your ears back and go get Todd Gurley because that's the only offense we know the Rams have.
1: Exactly, and they also threw the ball to Todd Gurley. You know he's a great, um, you know, receiving running back, and that just wasn't utilized when Jeff Fisher was here. There was kind of like, I mean, there was times when we were getting letting Case Keenum throw the ball forty plus times. I think it was three games in a row Case Keenum had 40 plus passing attempts and no knock on Case Keenum he's found his way in this league obviously at this point Uh, but at that point it was you know he was really the best option and uh, they were kind of protecting Goff but Gurley wasn't getting the love that he deserved and when he did like you said they stacked the box they were like yeah I'll go ahead let Case Keenum throw 40 times and beat us we're gonna stack this box and dare you to run it Uh, so being able to get the ball into Gurley's hands in different ways we saw it last year I mean he was an amazing uh, pass catcher and scored touchdowns you know just as plenty that way Uh, so that's another thing that was really exciting for Gurley was allowing not just to be a running back but to be just the athlete that he is and just get the ball in his hands however it may be a dump screen or a little you know three and out and let him do what he does jump over people and stiff arm people and, and get to the end zone
2: so you finished the year, uh, 11 and five, uh, heads, head and shoulders above the the rest of the teams in the NFC West, win the division by two games and you lost uh, the meaningless game in, in week 17. You could have had 12 and four if you had to put a team on the field that weekend. And, um, you go into the, uh, post for the first time since what? twenty eleven, twenty twelve,
0: 2012.
2: Yeah. Something yeah. like that. And, um, unfortunately the, uh, The experience of the Falcons seemed to be a bit too much uh, for the Rams in that one. Uh, They send the Rams home early after a a wild card loss.
1: Yeah, it was a tough one. Um, Two really big mistakes on special teams by Farrell Cooper, who was a pro bowler that year in the return game. Uh, He dropped punts with inside of his 20, gave him great field position. They didn't get a massive amount of points. I don't think they scored a touchdown. Maybe they got 10 points out of that. Uh, but th- those are the type of things that just you know shoot yourself in the foot. And you're right, the experience you could tell they just kind of they got off to a slow start. Obviously, the turnovers didn't help, um, but they kind of got rolling a little bit late. But we just ran out of time. By the time you could see that this team kind of clicked and said, "Oh crap, we're the 11 you know win team that just went up to Seattle and you know blew this team out a couple weeks ago." Uh, they just kind of got rolling too late. Couldn't make that big defensive stop at the end of the game. We had a couple missed tackles that. You know, allowed the Falcons to kind of get down the field, score again, and really kind of put it away. But it, it was it was a great learning experience for them. I know they, you know, internally are going to probably you know say that as well. But um, you know, it was it was a big loss at, at the same time. You know, you had high expectations not only in that season. You got so far, you performed so well, best offense. You have your home game, you know, night game, first playoff game in LA, and you know, God knows when, right? Back when, you know, the old, old school L.A. Rams were here in the Coliseum and it was just kind of, uh, you know, everyone was kind of left like uh, that feeling of getting punched in the stomach. So I think everyone's really excited to get back to football here and get another crack at it because I think everyone kind of had higher expectations last year, which is crazy to think, right? Mm. Um, but once we got rolling, uh, you want more, you want more, especially in this market out here in L.A., Ah, uh, just like Chicago, big sports market where they high expectations. Even during the season, as you're winning, uh, the expectations and the bar is going to continue to raise. So, um, excited for them to get back on the field and take another crack at it this year.
2: So we go into into the postseason, and there isn't a lot of activity free agency wise. I mean, you you sign uh, Sam Shields, you add him to the your defensive backfield. You go out and you get in Dominican Sue. You win the Domic and sweepstakes. There were a few teams. Uh, courting him, but it's the Rams in the end that uh, that win his services. But where the Rams made their biggest moves was via trade uh, in the offseason. Very old school uh, of the Rams to to add their pieces uh, via trade. And Marcus Peter from Kansas City for a 2019 second rounder and a 2018 fourth rounder. Akib Tlaib for a fifth rounder, which I think is a steal, yeah. to be honest with you. And right. then Brandon Cooks and a fourth round pick for a first rounder, your first round pick this year. And a sixth rounder um, this year as well, Um, you know those are three huge pieces along with Indomik and Sue that really just showed the Rams were pushing all their chips to the center of the table for 2018.
1: Yeah, that was such a fun couple weeks out here in LA. It was just day after day. There was it was you know you're waking up to breaking news of the Rams made an aggressive deal to go get a guy that is a Pro Bowler and multi-time Pro Bowler. Um, Talib, such a great fit you know like you said for that fifth round or whatever it was mm-hmm. um, ended up being so awesome of a steal gets back with Wade Phillips where he had a couple of his best years of his career with knows the system no it's not going to take time to to settle in then we go and get Marcus Peters right after that uh, the young version right kind of has the same attitude uh, that Talib has as far as very competitive guys very risk-taking guys on the field loves to go get the ball um, and they, those two together kind of work well because it's almost like what we talked about earlier with our head coach and our defense coordinator has that age difference, that experience, that, you know, both have that passion. Uh, and it, in, in the Wade Phillips system is just really perfect. And all this is cracking off before the NFL league year officially started, right? They kind yeah. of announced these even before it cracked off. Uh, and then, you know, the, the cherry on top for getting Sue was amazing, and I love for us to go get our number one wide receiver. We let Sammy Watkins go, which was a big debate on our podcast for weeks coming up. Was what are we going to do? Who are we going to franchise tag? I love that we ended up franchise tagging uh, Joiner, uh, safety position, Lamarcus Joiner, because you know he is just another young stud who is ball hawking, big hitter, leader in in that you know secondary as well. And um, you know Watkins, as much as he was fun to watch for the year just never seemed to really gel, which is crazy. I think he ended up having eight touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, six of them were inside the five-yard line, I believe. Uh, so he was never – I think he had one really big deep ball, a couple big games. Other than that, we didn't know how to get him in. I don't know if that was through you know, McVeigh kind of spreading the ball around or whatnot, um, but we, we went back and basically said, we're not going to pay you that much money. He was asking for too much, and I love that because we have a lot of people to pay, including Aaron Donald right now. And then, you know, so many people in the next year. So uh, the trade for Brandon Cooks was huge. We went out and got our number one wide receiver. Uh, You know, he fits into the system perfect. Great speed, great route runner. And we don't really – he's really the only switch in the offense. And it's just kind of plug and chug, go into number one and, and, you know, do what you do best, which he's done, you know, for the past four years, averaging over 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns. So – uh, really excited about that piece as well. But, man, it was really fun beginning of the summer. And at a point where we kind of started to, um, you know, not have these big moves. where We kind of made all our moves and we were done. Uh, everyone kind of was looking around, scratching their head, like, how? it's been like two weeks since we've added a Pro Bowler. What's going on, L.A.? We got, we got to add another guy. But um, this team is stacked. And you're right, pushing the chips in. Uh, Les Sneed has done an amazing job out here. It wasn't too long ago as we talked Jeff Fisher uh, a couple of years ago, is that people thought they were hand in hand. If if we we're firing Fisher, Les Snead was going to be walking him out the door as well. Um, he he cans Fisher gets this young coach, and all of a sudden, you know, makes move after move after move, and now all of a sudden, Les Snead is up there as one of the you know the better GMs in in the league right now. So again, how fast things can change.
2: Yeah, it's kind of hard to think that a team could lose Janoris Jenkins and Tremaine Johnson in their corner feet and as, as they're starting cornerbacks and get better uh, at the position. I mean, those guys are pretty good and yet you double down and, and uh, you add Marcus Peters and a keep who are two of the best and you get them in the same offseason, like within days of each other, uh, those moves, you know, come back to back and you add a monster with Sue and pair him up with Aaron Donald, whenever you get that thing resolved and, uh, You know, just just on paper alone, the defense is frightening. And then you have you add Brandon Cooks to an offense that was greatly improved uh, in 2017. And he does better. He does things. He does more things and he does them better than Sammy Watkins did.
1: Yeah, I think that's the one thing that you look at that you're just so excited about last year. You didn't really know what to expect. You kind of were just hoping we can compete within our division. We take off and all of a sudden have one of the best offenses. The turnaround was amazing. And then you're right, we add all these defensive pieces and it was kind of like, all right, Wade, you, you stuck it out one year. We, we really bulked up on the offense year one. Year two, we're going to give you the defense. And now we're looking across the ball and we're, and we're kind of confused on, like, which side we think is actually going to be better this year. You know, we had the number one offense and we're looking across and going, but our defense might actually be better this year than our offense. And it's just an a awesome problem to have. But those practices are going to be fun to watch, um, you know, during camp and, and getting into the season.
2: So what's going on with the Aaron Donald thing right now? I mean, are they are they talking right now? i um, any idea how far apart they are on what he wants and what what they're offering or anything like that?
1: Yeah, the one thing I got to give them credit for is they've they've held a lot behind closed doors, which is awesome. You've seen a lot of these contract negotiations get ugly and saying you know we're not even close, and this guy's you know blah blah blah, and they start kind of getting into that and letting the media get media get too involved. Uh, they shared a little bit. the, the you know, McVeigh's done a great job with it because every day when he was allowed to step to the podium, it's, you know, asked three times because obviously, you know, the reigning defensive player of the year, we had to go through this last year. He actually missed the first game of the season due to just coming back. and they didn't want to put him out there because he came back like two days before that. Um but as McVeigh kind of joked, he said, he's actually returning my text this year, so that's good. So he, they're kind of making, kind of playing along with it and you know everything seems in good nature right now and they had kind of a a presser the other day where Les Snead was interviewed and he said that they're continuing to have conversations they're getting closer and closer uh he he hopes that he can get it done before camp if not you know early into camp so that's their target I think all of us here in Rams Nation is the same target like we would love to get him in there because you mentioned him and Sue working together uh you know it's a it's a transition for Ndamukong as far as defense he's usually a 4-3 guy now he's coming into 3-4 and just kind of working next to a guy with that type of talent we'd love to get them you know practicing together and kind of working and building that chemistry in camp so uh, I think they're going to get it they're definitely going to get it done I don't think they're going to try to play this thing going into another year try to you know there's talks about like oh maybe they'll try to franchise tag them next year I think when you have the best player you know questionably in the game I mean they just did the top 100 I was shocked to see Aaron Donald coming at seven. Um, I, I think he's easy has a case for number two, if not, you know, being number one. I, I get it with Tom Brady. I mean the, the guy's the goat, but um, when you got that guy in your team, you lock him up. Uh, I think he's going to get probably in the range of 20 to 24 million per. Uh, but they haven't really mm-hmm. expressed about how close they are. Uh, but they, they all are saying that they're, you know, it's, it's better than it was last year and they're expecting to get it done, which I think out here, my, my uh, meter as far as uh, freaked out about it is still really low at this point. But as we get closer to camp and as camp gets going, obviously that's going to go up and up because we just want them in camp. We want them there with, with the rest of the team.
2: You know, the Aaron Donald thing is such a, such a bittersweet thing as a Bears fan. Do you have any idea why?
1: Well, uh I'm trying to think where you guys drafted that year. Right um, after
2: the Rams. Okay, there you go. Okay, yep. leading up to that draft. This is the 2014 draft. Okay, the, the basically we had like two hurdles to get Aaron Donald. One was like Tampa Bay cuz Lovey Smith is all about, I mean, that would be that would be his Tommy Harris to plug into the middle of that th- uh, 4-3 defense let him wreak havoc next to gerald mccoy the bucks are you know monsters then was like if the other rumor was if he got past the giants at 12 then he's ripe for the bears at 14 instead here come the rams who have picked defensive linemen in the first round four out of the last five years out of nowhere take aaron donald and just like that it's like well they stole our player but the guys playing with five other first rounders. I mean, you know, all that kind. Of, you know, what's what, what? What can he actually do? And he's a monster for the for the Rams from day one. He was an absolute machine, which is what his game tape from from college said he was going to be. And you know, you just watch him and it's like one stinking pick, one pick he wow. could have been ours. One, and not even <laughs> so, the one we were so expecting. If he goes to Tampa Bay, I'm not surprised. If he goes to the Giants, I'm not surprised because. That's what we were hearing. Those were the hurdles we had to clear for Donald to get to us. And instead, at 13, not 12, 13, the Rams take him out of nowhere. And he belongs to you guys. He never gets to be a bear. And we have to watch him wreak havoc all over the league when we were one pick away from that being our guy doing that to everyone else. So, yeah. That really and I may stings. still be a
1: Bears fan if yeah. that happened. You yeah, never know. Maybe. You never know. <laughs> but uh
2: Yeah, but watching Aaron Donald thrive, it's as a football fan, it's awesome because the guy is just amazing. You know, he's he's an interior lineman, but is constantly in the backfield. He's a pass rushing threat, and he's awesome against the run. He's the total package, like you said, you know, shocked that he was at number seven. I would say at least top top five, top three you know that is where he should be you know he's just an awesome awesome player but he was one pick away from being ours man he was i mean his name was on the freaking card man they were just waiting for it to be their turn and instead we had to settle for kyle fuller who just last year remembered he was a first round pick during his contract season of all seasons surprise surprise yeah Yeah, (laughs) big shocker and uh you know, now he's we're stuck with him for another four years because we signed him to a long term deal, but it could have been Aaron Donald and that really sucks. So yeah, there's a very bittersweet thing when it comes to Aaron Donald and watching him just be a monster. I was like, I don't wish any ill will on the kid. He didn't decide where he went, but you know, right. just luck serendipity, whatever you want to call it, stepped in between and, and got in front of the, the Bears in, in the in the in the way of the St. Louis Rams at the time. To uh, to steal him from us because that was our guy, and uh, yeah, we didn't get a chance to to have him. <laughs> I mean, talk about a guy that was meant to be a bear and it just didn't happen. It really sucks. So, but anyway, like you said
1: I mean, you thought he was gonna, you know, the other two teams were the ones, not the Rams, and they snuck up. We had a, uh, I believe we had the number two pick, and it's his name is slipping me because I burned it out of my memory. Offense lineman who I think Greg was just. Yeah, Greg Robinson. There we go. So we, I, as Rams fans, uh, at least we got one of those right because they took Greg Robinson at number two, and that was a big bust. So yeah, that was uh, part we, of the uh, the RG three trade, got one of them. right?
2: Yep. Yeah, yeah, part of the RG three trade. The Redskins gave you the second overall pick. Um, so I mean, you, we talked about all these guys that you added. Um, you say goodbye to Sammy Watkins. Tremaine Johnson is headed to the Jets uh Connor Barwin's gone Tyron Walker but again with the trades you you get rid of guys uh Pro Bowler uh, Robert Quinn uh Alec Ogletree is is out the door and Tavon Austin these were all first round picks for the Rams and now they're playing for other teams
1: Yeah exactly and that's that's kind of you know part of what we were expecting that was going to happen right there was a lot of people coming up I think there were a couple shocks as far as you know Ogletree when he got moved but yeah. that was kind of uh, the understanding that, you know, we're doing something here. We're not going to just, you know, we, he was a great player for us. He was the leader of that defense. Um, but they really said, we need to switch it up. This is Wade's time to build his type of defense. And he wanted to build it through the cornerback position and through the secondary and then adding to the front. And, you know, we had a bunch of young uh, stars that we're kind of really excited about. Mark Barron's still there. That's, you know, been a, a great outside linebacker for us. Corey Littleton's another guy. Um, second year guy that, you know, I think went actually undrafted, uh, and played really well for us in fill of Ogletree, when he was hurt and a little banged up, um, we have Bryce Hager who got some, some time and then Sam Ebelcombe who was drafted last year as well, who played great in his time. So I think they have a lot of guys that they're, uh, you know, have faith in to kind of take that next leap and, you know, they built from the outside and in. Uh, so we're excited to see some of these young guys, John Johnson III, another guy in the secondary, that uh, second-year guy who's already talking about he wants to be more of a leader on the team, which is crazy when you're looking across and seeing all these, you know, great veteran guys and guys that have been in the league, you know, four or five years that are coming up, uh, and a second-year guy kind of saying, I'm, I'm ready to take my step, and, you know, he's made plays for us last year. So there's talent all over, um, as well as, you know, we're really excited about getting Dominic Easley back. He, he um, I think it was ACL, MCL, right during training cap, camp last year. Uh, so we're kind of adding depth there as well. So we're excited about what we have as far as the roster goes. I think uh, we've made jokes on the podcast at times when they were talking about, you know, who's, who's our linebackers. You know, we got a lot of these guys that haven't had a lot of experience. And, you know, the whole thing is, you know, throw me and you in at linebacker for the Rams and, you know, we can go out and still win 15 games with, with the talent surrounding us. Um, so with these guys stepping in and kind of taking, getting that opportunity to take that next step in their career, obviously Wade Phillips trusts in them. And so do we, so saw a lot of guys. Tremaine Johnson was one who not entirely heartbroken by him leaving. I didn't really want to overpay him. He had a couple, uh, decent years. And then he had one really great year where he had about eight interceptions and was kind of flying around. But that was, that was two years ago. That was back in St. Louis. And uh, when he came to L.A., kind of had a, a struggle with injuries. Then last year, again, missed a couple games, did, did pretty good in the, in the coverage, but wasn't making the plays that, you know, we expected, you know, when, when we franchise-tagged ba- franchise him back-to-back for, you know, ungodly amount of money of $17 million or something like that. You expect those guys to make big game-changing plays. He wasn't doing it. So I'm, I'm actually happy to let him walk and go elsewhere and get the money in New York. He deserves a big contract. I just didn't want us to be the one paying him. Sure. Uh, We've got, now we've, you know, instead of giving it to him, we've got Marcus Peters, who's, you know, a handful, year younger than him, uh, with kind of what I think of that explosive ball-hawking guy who really fits the bill that we wanted Tremaine to be, and now we actually, I think we get the guy. We'll see how he performs in the system, but everything you saw from him in Kansas City is, it's just so much fun to watch even even throwing a flag in, into the stands you know kind of trying to get the crowd into it a little bit <laughs> I hope he doesn't do that as much over here but uh he'll bring that passion that I just we didn't feel from Tremaine uh so we're excited about adding those pieces to the defense
2: and you know I think that uh probably the one of the more disappointing things was uh was Tavon Austin was I mean? This was a guy that had those special moments. I mean, I saw one up close and personal. The last bear game that I went to was in St. Louis against the Rams. One of the first second plays of the game was a um, was, an, was an end around to Tavon Austin who ran it in for a touchdown. Like literally, like second third play of the game, boom! It's already seven nothing. Tavon Austin just shrieking down the field and nobody can catch him but he he had moments like that but never really lived up to being a guy drafted number eight overall which is supposed to be a special player
1: yeah you said it best I mean he had his moments and a lot of them did come in St. Louis uh, when he got here uh, to LA and Jeff Fisher kept trying to do the bubble screen and kept trying to do the reverse to him and I think that's something you can work into an offense but you can't have that be the only thing this guy does because the, the league picked up on it, and they, when he was in, it was like, all right, it was gadget time, it was follow him around, or, you know, there, no one was afraid once he went five yards off the line of scrimmage, everyone's like, whatever, no one's throwing them the ball. Uh, and then the following year with, you know, McVeigh, we're thinking, all right, we got Sean McVeigh. this guy's creative, offensive mind, he'll find a way to get Tave on the ball. And when it was nearing the end of the season, you're realizing, like, man, even Sean McVeigh can't figure out a way to get this guy involved in the offense. That it's just not meant to be out here, and, and I hope I wish him best luck because he was big out here for for the fans and people. You know, it was one of those things where you love to hate him, but then you love to love him too. It was it was it, it was heartbroken because you wanted him to be so good. You could see, you remembered some of those explosive plays, and he has that kind of that fun, I guess that fun size football player that you're like when he gets going, his speed gets going. It's fun to watch, but uh, he started muffing the the punts, and he just couldn't even help out on special teams and he was getting paid a lot of money uh, so that was the other thing I was trying to figure out what are we doing with this guy what are we doing as far as the direction of the team and trying to clear up space to get guys like Aaron Donald paid and you know looking to pick up some of those free agents and sign some of the guys that we're going to go out and trade so I'm really really excited that we got to move him on draft day get him over to Dallas uh, they seem excited about him because I think they're a lot of confusion about who's going to be helping out in their offense outside of, of Zeke and and Dak so uh, it's it's a good fit for him, but yeah, I think it was it was definitely he overstayed his welcome here in in LA, and kind of one another one of those guys where you're kind of like enjoyed the time they were here, but really really kind of glad they're they're gone.
2: So we, we wrap up the the free agency period with that was more about trades than it was about actual signing acquisitions. I mean, you, like I said, you signed Sam Shield, you signed Domenik Sue, but after that, all the fireworks were done via trade, whether it was sending guys like robert quinn and alec ogletree elsewhere or acquiring a keep and, and peters and, and and brandon cooks uh we get to draft night where because of all those trades you guys don't pick until 89 which is like second to last pick in the third round or something like that and uh, you start off with an offensive tackle from tcu joseph noteboom now is this guy is this somebody that might come in and contribute right away or is This is the heir apparent to uh, an Andrew Whitworth uh, out there.
1: And that's why this draft for us was, it started out so boring. And then it kind of got a little exciting as we got deeper, which is, you know, usually not the case in draft days, right? Usually Mm -hmm. your first couple picks are the ones you get really excited about. And then you're like, oh, maybe that seventh rounder will will make the team. Uh, But they definitely, you could tell what they were doing is they loved... Almost everyone on their team right now, and there, there was talks coming to this. We talked about it earlier linebacker, edge rush. You know, those were the couple of the pieces that were missing, and they went with depth. Uh, no boom is not a guy that's going to contribute, and we hope he doesn't because we've got our offensive line. I think the only team in the NFL last year to have all uh, starting offensive linemen start every single game together uh no injuries you know knocking on wood over here it doesn't happen very often but we hope that we can get all those guys to come back and be just as healthy but he's here to be part of the future you know we're not sure how much andrew whitworth has left you know hopefully we can get another two three years max out of him again same with john sullivan uh not sure how much he's got maybe one or two years with him uh, that ended up being our fourth-round pick was was Brian Allen, center out of Michigan State. So both those guys, first two picks, really were were brought in to add depth. Um, everyone else passed that, we started kind of getting into bringing in talent to try to you know compete or to figure out how they can wiggle into the roster. Uh, John, John Franklin Meyer was a DN from uh, Stephen F. Austin, which we got in the fourth round, and then it really got excited when we started getting the fifth round. Michael Kaiser. Uh, linebacker, and then Oko Okoronko, which he goes by OBZ, and I will probably stick to that the rest of the year because his name is just ridiculously hard to say, out of Oklahoma. Uh, we were kind of hoping they were going to pick him up in the fourth round, and we got to slide into the fifth round and get him, and then we got an exciting, another exciting guy, John Kelly, running back out of Tennessee to kind of be the you know, the ying to the yang of uh, Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley really didn't have anyone last year. We tried, as we talked about Tavon Austin, we even tried to get him in there at running back last year. I think he got more carries at running back than he did targets at wide receiver uh, by the end of the year. And um, Malcolm Brown was our other running back, but he's never really kind of, he's just been there to be a body more than kind of contributing in a big way. So John Kelly, uh talks of him being kind of like alvin Kamara. they were teammates last year that they kind of have the same style as far as explosive um that wiggle that you talk about and so things got exciting later in the draft for us but the first couple picks were definitely for depth and then we kind of got to uh start to find pieces to fit to see where else we could kind of make you know better in the roster
2: so your scouting department had their work cut out for them um because you know number one your first pick isn't until 89 so deep in the third round and then all of your other picks like that are they're all day three picks you know two fourth rounders some fifth rounders you had four sixth rounders and two seventh round picks and we're looking for people that at the very least can contribute on special teams and and uh you know maybe add some some depth maybe you know give a guy a blow from time to time and and so on and and so forth so those guys really had to dig deep to be to still be finding talent in the later rounds in the draft
1: yeah this is probably the most i've watched you know day three of a draft <laughs> than ever before sure. you know watching these these deep rounds because that was all the picks we had at, at one point it felt like we were trying to collect every sixth round pick i think before we ended up trading a couple of them we had like Six or seven, six round picks at one point, and it was like, okay, we're just gonna corner the sixth round. If someone's gonna be good in the sixth round, we're gonna get them. Um, But I'm really excited about some of the talent that they got. Um, You can look at this way on a lot of people's boards, right? And you kind of find these guys coming out of college. But um, you know, one of the names I mentioned was Kaiser earlier. Uh, Super excited about him. He's just a tackle monster. He led uh, the ACC three years in a row with over 100 tackles each year. And he ate forced fumbles. He's just one of those guys that just is like, you know, that cliche high motor that just doesn't stop and always finds himself around the ball or around the play and usually making the play. So excited to see him and how he'll fit in, like you said, probably on special teams to get going. But since we have a lot of question marks and that linebacking and some of our edge, that he could be one of those guys that could come in and hopefully make that impact uh, day one, Which is which is kind of funny to think, you know, our fourth, fifth rounder might get, more playing time and more impact than our, you know, first two picks coming out in the third and fourth round.
2: Yeah. Cause like, uh, like I mentioned, uh, just before we started recording, I was like, you don't have a first or a second round pick and somehow you made 11 draft choices anyway. Um, you know, it was a lot of wheeling and dealing. I mean, cause you, when we go back and look at some of those, some of those trades, Tavon Austin was a sixth, was for a sixth round pick. Robert, Robert Quinn was a fourth and a sixth. And, you know, it's like you you uh, you got uh, Brandon Cook and a fourth-round pick for you know the first rounder that you sent to New England and, and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of wheeling and dealing to, to to have that you know plethora of picks that the the Rams were able to to add uh, so many players uh, with, and um, you know you usually don't see that too often as far as loading up on those later round picks and hoping to strike oil with at least one or two of them.
1: Especially from the year before where we gave so many picks to go get Jared Goff. Sure. Yeah. Uh, not only that year and then the futures is we just didn't have uh, a lot of picks in the last couple of years. So for us, it was also just kind of like getting back to I think Les Snead was trying to make up and he, he missed drafting players. And so he, he was wheeling and dealing, like you said, and got some extra picks. And uh, we went from you know barely picking anyone in the past couple of years to, to 11 draft picks. So we'll see how everyone fits in it it's crazy as you do research on these guys and you start to figure out what type of players they are and where they could fit in. And then you kind of st- have to step back and remember there's only 53 guys on the roster. Like some of these guys, you just hope they can make the team. sure. Uh, Cause yeah. we have other guys that are already on the team, you know, that had depth uh, in certain positions like Blake countless is another guy that's in the cornerback depth that, you know, was awesome for us in, in special teams and uh, Tanzel smart, you know, those guys that you you kind of fell in love with last year that, you know, didn't do much as far as, You know, huge amount of snaps, but on special teams and you can see the development of them. So uh, where these guys fit in is kind of what's going to be fun about training camp because there's not a lot of battles uh, here at Rams camp. Everything's kind of set. I think we've got the linebacking area um, is starting to come together, but there's still probably some battles there. And then the tight ends, you know, who's we've got three tight ends um, and it's going to be interesting between Tyler Higbee, Gerald Everett, who was our, you know, second round pick last year, our first pick off the board. And then Tameric Hemingway, who was drafted with Higby, but tore his ACL last year, has never really got a chance with McVay. Uh, he's got great size, he can block, and he can go catch the ball with speed. So uh, I think that's the other, you know, kind of battle that we'll watch as we come into camp. What was that linebacker's name again? Uh, Tanzel Smart was one of them. No, no,
2: no, no. Uh, <laughs> Don't run from it. Just help me out here. What was the, the oh, rookie, the fifth rounder? What was oh, his name again?
1: <laughs> Obo Okoronko.
2: Okay. It's very similar to a guy that we drafted uh this year. Uh a linebacker out of western Kentucky, an inside guy. He's built like a tank. Uh we got him in the fourth round. Um I just saw the Bears do this thing where they call it Meet the Rookies. They do like an eight, nine-minute documentary on on the player, like a profile piece. And uh I thought his first name was Joel. I found out via the video his name is Yoel. Um and the name is, uh, and I, I have a friend, uh, my draft expert that I have on the show. Uh, he has his own website, DraftCountdown.com. He actually has a page on the site dedicated to pronouncing names like these. And I had to go on that page to figure out how to pronounce our fourth round's pick's name. And um, his name is Yoel E.A. Booneyway. And believe me when I tell you, it is not spelled like that. It is not (laughs) spelled. You would not get E.A. Booneyway looking at that name. You would be like Iggy, Iggy, Yabby, Baboon, something like that. I mean, not to be too, you know, stupid about it, but that looking at it, there's like phonetically that says E.A. Booneyway. I'm just going to take your word for it. And like, what was it, the name that you guys are going to call him by?
1: Uh OBZ is what he oh. said he he goes by. So I was like, yes, I can do that.
2: Okay. Well our guy's gonna be Iggy. That's, there you go, right? Because I think it's like I it nice. I think it's like IGI is the first are the three first three letters of his name. He's that's Iggy. He's Iggy. So number fifty seven I think he is, that's Iggy. And not E. J. Booneyway. Way. So uh, yeah, that's that's he's gonna be Iggy. We got O. Busy and Iggy with their thirty-four letter <laughs> last names that no one can pronounce exactly. and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. You get you get choked up trying to get it out uh, and everything. So very similar situations with those rookie linebackers there. So looking forward to 2018. You know you're you're expecting a very you know aside from maybe a little drama surrounding the Aaron Donald situation, the further it goes along, if it makes it into training camp. Uh, Aside from that, a very uneventful season, because you know who your quarterback is, you know who your running back is, you know who the wide receivers are, you're at least your top three guys anyway. So you said you might have a little friction when it comes to tight end, but the offense is pretty much set. Same thing with the defensive side. Maybe we're looking to see who's going to emerge in the linebacking core with no Alec Ogletree uh, and whatnot. But we know, you know, when Donald comes in, you plug him in with whoever's there now, then, and Dominic and Sue and and whoever else is on the line. And then, of course, you know who your back, who your secondary is with Tlaib and, and, uh, and, um, Peters, and then uh, the young kid you were talking about, which was in?
1: LaMarcus Joyner. There you go, Joyner.
2: Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's that's all set. You have one of the best kickers in the league and, and all the rest of that. So you're right. Your roster is pretty much set. There's not going to be a lot of fireworks in training camp, so we jump ahead to the schedule. And this is the, the path that the Rams have to go through in order to live up to the um, prediction I saw in one of the NFL magazines I was checking out, yesterday that has the Rams beating the Steelers uh in Super Bowl 53 uh this year you know you have you start on the road back to back Monday night football you starting on the road at Oakland and then at Arizona your first division game right out of the gate
1: yeah so the Arizona game's actually at home it's our first home game of the year Is but it? we do start out yeah we start out um at Oakland uh on Monday night welcoming Chucky back to the league there's a lot of uh, Sean McVay talked about him a lot last year. As even as a mentor, um, you know, coming up through the, they, they'd worked together. They've been in touch. They're kind of, you know, he he takes things from him. So uh, that's going to be a fun matchup. Uh, it's it's crazy because that defense I think is better than it was last year. Um, you know, Cleo Mack is going to run that show and bring those guys to really put some pressure on. And then they've added their depth. Uh, you know, some new pieces on the offense side of the ball. And Derek Carr, as far as how, what he can do, uh, coming back to what we saw a couple years ago when he was in the conversation for MVP. So that's going to be a fun one on Monday night. And then we kick right off into the, the schedule, obviously, with Arizona, who I have pretty pretty much, pretty confident we're going to sweep them again this year. We always play Arizona pretty well. and I still think they're in transition. It's early in the season uh, for them to kind of be figuring out what they're really doing as far as who's their go-to guy uh, that they're going to be throwing to, who's going to be throwing the ball uh, things like that. But we have a our schedule is is crazy tough as you look at it. Obviously, um, you know, we have the Chargers who is getting a lot of noise in the AFC and it's going to be a fun LA battle here at the Coliseum. Uh, Minnesota uh, back here in LA. Uh, obviously, we know where they went last year and, and the additions they've done. Seattle, who's been just dying to get to us. Uh, our first real far trip, which is amazing as you look at this, schedule compared to last year and the year before uh, we traveled back to back years we were the number one traveling team in the NFL uh until week 6 we go to Denver and that's our furthest trip of the year so far um San Fran in our division is going to be interesting we got Green Bay at home New Orleans on the road Kansas City in a different country in Mexico City uh we play you guys late in the late and er, early in December uh which will be interesting because you know we talked about it a little bit off air but you know what the Bears are doing right now to kind of position themselves to kind of be what LA was last year. This team that pieces are kind of coming together. They've got the young quarterback that now finally has a little bit of experience under his belt, and they're really committing to him being the guy. They went out and picked up some big free agents as far as giving them some talent. Uh, their defense has looked better, and um, you know that's going to be an interesting game in in December. We got the Eagles in December, and then finish off the season at home versus San Fran. Who there's a lot of talks out here of of them being the next push, uh, at the NFC West. So, uh, looking at the schedule, it's exciting as a football fan, but if you're looking at trying to go get 11, 12 wins again, you do see some, some scary matchups with, you know, some of these powerhouse teams and, you know, some of the teams that are getting, you know, guys like Aaron Rodgers back. Um, you know, you guys get to see him enough, but, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun schedule. Uh, you know, it's, you don't want to get ahead of yourselves. You hear a lot of the Rams fans going like, you know, as you're looking at the roster, how do we not go undefeated, man? You know, how do we not <laughs> go win 14, 15 games, something like that? And you're like, you know, this is the NFL, man. We won a lot of games on the road last year. Uh, and that was kind of what really built this team and brought them together. But that's not, you can't, it's tough to do every year to go and win, you know, six, seven, eight games on the road. It's it's not something that just comes easy depending on, you know who even if you're going to play Arizona or you know going up to you know Denver or wherever you're going i mean it's it's a challenge to to win on the road so it's going to be a fun season to watch i'm i've got that game in in early december circled up in chicago obviously i mentioned you know my family's out there it's right around the christmas time so i'm actually thinking about making a trip out there and getting back to a cold weather football games i don't i haven't had one of those in a long time where right. you just let your beer sit out and it stays cold those were those were the good days
2: Sure. Well, I mean, looking at the schedule, um, you know, after I incorrectly said Arizona was on the road there to start, I noticed that that meant that after that first game on the road at Oakland for Monday night, you got three straight home games, and then the NFL followed that up by th- with three straight road games. So you're at home for Arizona and the Chargers, then you got the Vikings on Thursday night football, there's your three home games, and then your three road games two of the toughest places in the league to win a football game anytime, whether, you know, no matter how good or bad those teams happen to be at Seattle, at Denver, and then you finish it off on Sunday night football at San Francisco. So that six-game road, or that six-game stretch there, three games at home, three games on the road, and then after that, it's just, uh, you know, the NFL just, like, did everything in bunches. Three out of four at home, a week 12 bye, um, which is the latest one that there's that there is right now, and then, uh, you know, three out of uh, five on the road to finish out the uh, the season, so it's kind of all over the place as far as, uh, you know, the, the, the league doing everything in, in bunches, um, you know, having them kind of clustered together like that with the three road games, the three home games, three out of four here, and then four three out of five there and and so on. Uh, It just seems like the Rams aren't going to get much of a a rhythm as far as uh, being at home or being away, you know, after that first six, seven weeks.
1: Yeah. Those first, you know, six, seven weeks are going to be crucial. I mean, obviously to every team, but you know, we got to win the ones at home uh, to get going to kind of build that momentum. Uh, As I mentioned last year, we were great on the road. We did. We we almost preferred at some point to play on the road. We talked about, we kind of joked when we lost that playoff game at home and, said, man, we maybe should have tanked the last game or whatever because we kind of slid up into that position to get the home game to play on the road because we played better football on the road. Um, we'll see if we can you know, do that again this year. That's a special thing to be able to, to do that so consistently. Uh, the Seattle one week five on the road, that's you know, our second road game of the year, is going to be tough. Uh, they're pissed off, man. We went up there and, and not only beat them, but we smacked them around pretty good and really yeah. you know, buried them up there. So I know they've been waiting for that one. But the great thing is the Rams – Play this Seattle so well. I think in the last like four or five years, uh, we have like a 700% winning percentage on them. We, we're really winning that in the in most recent years. So the confidence that we have going into there uh, is going to be kind of fun to watch to see if we can continue that because I know we have it right now. And you mentioned Denver, another crazy place to play and the elevation. And then, coming out of that going back and forth, yeah, trying to catch a rhythm, the late bye week week twelve, man, they are gonna be ready for that when it comes, right obviously, the Kansas City game right before that's in Mexico City, so uh the nice thing, if I remember correctly, that's kind of around uh Thanksgiving. I don't have dates in front of me, but I think that's right around Thanksgiving. I think I remember the guys kind of saying they were excited uh, they were going to get to spend Thanksgiving with the family, so yeah. bye kind of that. By week is yeah. Thanksgiving week yeah which is which is perfect for them because. You know and when you're beaten and down and sore and tired to kind of get that week off not only and then to get to spend it with family around a holiday that in the football football world you don't always guarantee to get so uh, that that should be nice for them but yeah gotta finish uh, strong and we you know with those you know two of the last games in our division and then uh, like you mentioned you know three of the last five on the road and and one even though it's a home game is against the former Super Bowl champions and you know potentially Carson Wentz if he's healthy and uh, you know we'll see maybe we knock him out of the game again that was that was us that kind (laughs) of ended it but it didn't really work out for us because Foles went down and ended up uh, winning the game and helping him win the game so as much as we thought it was going to help us it didn't really do anything and it really didn't help anybody the rest of the year anyway but uh, yeah it's a fun schedule for sure
2: and then you know for the for the last week of the season if if things go the way that people think it might nobody's going to be sitting down starters in week 17 because that very well could be the game for the division if things go the way that, you know, if the, the, the 49ers are this year's Rams as far as your division uh, is concerned, you know, that, that game could mean something uh, to both teams and not just, well, if the Rams win, they'll be number two instead of number three and they'll get a bye week. You know, this could be like, well, the, the, the 49ers might be playing for a playoff spot and, you know, the Rams want to keep them out kind of thing.
1: Yeah, it's kind of it's weird because I'm pulled both ways on that. Because as a Rams fan, I'm like, man, I hope that game means nothing, like it did last year, right? I hope we got it locked in by then, got a nice two-game lead on the division. But as a football fan, I kind of step out and go, man, that would be a awesome game if that means something, you know? Having Sam Fran come in, uh, LA late December, getting ready for playoffs, and you got to go win a ball game to, you know, to either for seeding or to knock somebody out because. You know, not only the seating part, but if it's if it's a chance to knock, you know, potentially one of our division rivals out of the playoffs, oh, that would be a bunch of fun. So uh, i actually kind of pulled it up as we were talking, and I see that tickets right now are only, you know, you can get in the stadium for 54 bucks. As we talked about investments earlier in the in the podcast here, this <laughs> this might be an investment right there. 54 dollars that ticket is going to be crazy if uh, LA is hosting a game to go to the playoffs versus uh, San Francisco. Uh, It'll be definitely one to be – want want to be there
2: live. Right. And then last thing I want to ask you, Spike. Uh, Spike, I'm sorry. I was thinking about Spike Friedman. I, I was going to say <laughs> – That's our Seattle. That, yeah, that, yeah that I was going to talk to him because I did talk to him, and, and I asked him what happened in that in that game. It's like it's one thing if the Rams come and they beat you uh, in Seattle. It's another thing for them to smash you 42-7. to It was like what happened that day? And he was like, basically, everything went right for them. Nothing went right for us, and it just—it was just the beating that kept coming. They got out to this huge lead, and you know they were turning over the ball, and the Rams, everything the Rams did worked, and nothing that the Seahawks did uh, went their way.
1: Yeah, it was almost like the tipping point of it, You know, in a cliche way, it was of what was almost meant to happen to them that whole season, right? They Russell Wilson had been doing everything. He's right. at the end of his gas tank got no o-line their, their defense is all injured and banged up there's gaps and holes everywhere um you know they've lost a couple games they were fighting for their life the 12th fan was trying to give it everything they can and we came out and we came out firing right away and then just didn't let up and it was kind of like you're gonna need more than russell wilson to beat this amazing team and if you can't put it together whether it's you know on the ground or defensively stop us then you're in big big trouble and i think it was kind of everything that happened bad in their season kind of coming together in one game and just kind of they just just ran out of gas and then when they were down 20 something points in the in the first quarter or whatever it was it felt like it was in the first 5 minutes um you could just see they just they just kind of gave up uh which for us was just made us go faster harder stronger and it was so so fun to watch i i have uh ties in seattle i lived and went to high school up there uh so kind of talking trash to some old friends throughout that game was so much fun for me they snuck out of a a victory here in la earlier in that season uh cooper cup who we talked about earlier in the podcast as well dropped a touchdown pass that would have won the game with like 20 seconds left in the game and ended up being like a 10 to 6 win or something ugly ball game but um, so to go up there and, and to spank them and kind of show like, hey, this is the team that we came into, especially in that division where Seattle's owned it for so long. Right. Uh, as I mentioned, we played Seattle really well, but we couldn't play a whole season really well at that point. So we never really up there there the end of the year. And to kind of watch uh, that go down and, and kind of have that moment on the road for those guys, uh, it was kind of fun to see them you know kind of soak that all in and really – You know, they kind of knew they had that in them, but to be able to see it and and actually do it was kind of, you know, really amazing to kind of see how they reacted during that game. It was just it was it was a great Sunday for sure.
2: (laughs) I bet. I bet. Um, And the real last question that I had for you, Brad, um, is um, (laughs) the Rams, um, they're going to be moving to their stadium that they're going to share with the Chargers. Is it 2020 that that's going to happen?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They don't push it back. It was supposed to be 2019, but they pushed it back because of, of that hard rain we get out here in uh, Southern California. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, Southern California
2: is known for its rain. That's what it's known <laughs> for. Um, I am a self professed uniform snob. Okay. I'm, I'm, I've yeah. always been an, an artist. I've, you know, been into graphic design. I, you know, I make, the, you know, the logos and stuff for my show and, uh, and everything. And, um, while the Rams played well and, and and looked good as far as their play and everything was concerned, there were a lot of weeks last year where our um, you know they were very hard to look at um, you know wearing the uh, the blue tops with the gold numbers with the white <laughs> helmet and the white face mask and, you know sometimes they got the pants going on in there and and all the rest of that stuff as a as a Rams fan, you know where do you want them to go with the uniform because i think i've heard the cronky the owner say that the old school like blue and yellow is a throwback thing that's not coming back when we go to the new stadium
1: man it is I, uniforms are probably the number one debated thing out here <laughs> by the fans i swear it is like you'll well, add, it like, is you'll, la
2: after all they're so yeah, vain exactly, within fashion bodies exactly. out there yeah absolutely
1: and and it does tie back into the old school L.A. Rams fans. You know what they loved was that old school throwback, that yellow and and blue, and and that really that just you know I don't want to say not flashy, but just that old school Ram jersey. It's, that they that it's everyone still a good
2: looking with. uniform, man. I still yeah, like those few weeks that they wore it last year. I was like, man, they should bring that back. It re- kind of like when the 49ers – you know, had different uniforms in the late nineties, and the mid two thousands. And then they brought the old school, just straight up white, you know, red, white, and gold, you know, their uniforms look awesome. Again, it, the, the less is more thing I think really worked for the Rams with that blue and yellow uniform, very much like when the 49ers went back to just the very, you know, plain Jane red, white, and gold uniforms.
1: Oh, for sure. And it's so funny to to kind of follow along on Twitter and all these other outlets as, you know, we'll break the news. We just picked up Marcus Peters, and the first comment will be like, any news on the uniforms? And you're like, what? Like, how is this? <laughs> it's very, very important to everyone out here uh, as far as what what, what they're doing there. They've, they're, I mean, there's tons of petitions. There's all this stuff, all this noise about it. The good thing is I, I believe that the NFL actually gave us the nod to extend. We were going to only get two games with the throwback unis, which – Everyone here is supporting and the Rams organization has gotten behind because they're not stupid. They've heard, you know, their fans and they know what they need to do. Um, and it's gonna be interesting what they're gonna what they're gonna do because the first year that they're allowed to switch the uniform is that year. And there was talks actually they were they were allowed to do it in, in twenty nineteen and, and I don't know if they've actually decided yet if they're gonna wait or do it in twenty nineteen. They haven't announced if they're gonna do that, but they may wait till they open the stadium. But it's gonna definitely incorporate that old school feel if not it's just that old school uniform because of how much noise the fan I mean it's unbelievable the noise the fans have made about the uniforms and it's awesome because the, the Rams have really embraced the ugly uniforms they, they on, on their social media uh, they did kind of like a um, slot machine type of video oh, where wow. it had all the uniforms <laughs> going up and down and, and it kind of just landed on the that uniform you talked about the the navy blue with the white helmet and the white pants and it was so ugly, but we won the game. I think we played Dallas that game. Yes, and we ended I remember up, that. It's yeah, like, man, they
2: played great, I, but holy hell, do they look bad.
1: Yeah. I was actually on board of like, let's throw out the old uniforms and just wear ugly-ass uniforms because these guys are killing it in it. <laughs> um, but the the Rams social media has been great. They did this uh, when it landed on that uniform selection. They kind of did like a womp, womp, womp nice. and did like the OL oh, well, emoji and – Um, Went out there and and won the game. But they've had fun with it, but it is crazy to hear the fans get into it. It's that, and then also, as you talked about, uh, you know, sharing the stadium with the Chargers. Uh, L.A. is just not embracing them at all yet. They've got a big uphill battle, and there's so much anti-Charger uh, going on out here especially as the the stadium and, and they're now you know everyone's looking at them as the renters and not really you know owning anything of that stadium and kind of just being the little little sister in a sense almost yeah. uh, but the thing is they've got a pretty good team you know one of the best teams they've had in a long time and if they can put it together and I mean if they had a kicker last year they would have been in the playoffs uh, but you know it'll be interesting to see how they can compete because out here in LA just like in Chicago man it doesn't really mean anything until you start winning some ball games so uh, they they put in the last beam, uh, the support beam for the roof the other day. They've a big kind of ceremony for it. And they had a, the beam had a Rams logo and a Chargers logo. And then all the construction workers signed it, put a little message on there. And as people were zooming in and seeing what people wrote, there was a lot of like, go back to San Diego and like, Chargers suck. And like <laughs> all the messages <laughs> on the board that is the, you know, the ceremonial piece for the two teams and Uh they kind of took that opportunity to take another little jab. So it's it's been fun watching, you know, the two teams kinda go at it. Uh the Rams actually went down to San Diego and picked up a big radio contract in in Southern California in the O. C. Uh so they're now gonna have to hear all of the Rams games, which is you know, has been uh kind of looked at kinda almost as trolling the Chargers. So uh it's a game they're playing back and forth. It's kinda fun to watch and you know, we'll find out week three when when um, the Chargers are in the Coliseum hosted by the Rams and they can actually just fight it out on the field. And, you know, hopefully that is a, that's going to be a big game for for the Rams, just not only in the long in the big picture, but just as far as, you know, street cred out here in L.A. Yeah, I
2: mean, because they got off to that atrocious 0-4, 0-5 start. And then, like you said, they were, you know, a, a kicker away from from winning 10 games and going to the playoffs uh last year but at the same time even with that late season surge that they had they were having trouble filling an MLS stadium last year I mean they're playing in an MLS stadium that that holds maybe 30,000 people and they couldn't fill it and when they
1: did it was with the other team yeah the Eagles came in and just dominated that stadium it was crazy
2: yeah I mean it's uh it's it's gonna be interesting to see how it all works out and to see how long you know if if the support stays the way it is how long will the chargers hang out in los angeles before they talk the nfl into letting them move to san antonio or something like that you know one of those markets <laughs> that's out. been yeah. so thirsty for a franchise for years you know and uh see how that all works out so can um
1: see st louis trying to make a push to try to like get back <laughs> at the Rams and try to be like you know what we'll take you we'll take you out here right but yeah you're right it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be one to kind of keep an eye on i think that i think if anyone who owns um spanos is the guy that owns the team uh he knows man he'll hang around as long as he's allowed here because the dollars is just so stupid in in los angeles that they're gonna be making in that new stadium so uh with all the advertising opportunity and everything so as long as he is allowed in la i think the nfl is gonna have to kick him out before
2: uh, he packs his bags sure so, record-wise, what are you thinking for the Rams this year? What is it, what does it look like when when you look at the schedule? I know it's early and we we haven't been to training camp or the preseason yet, but when you look at the schedule, what are you thinking?
1: You know, I think it's tough because as we went over the schedule earlier, there's a lot of a lot of tough games in there. A lot of uh, you know playoff teams of last year, and a lot of teams that should have been playoff teams or you expect could be playoff teams this year. Packers, Bears being two of them right off the bat, um, and I think, as far as expectations, what they've done as far as free agency and Sean McVay and the, you know, the growth of uh, Gurley and Goff and that offense, I think we're looking again to go and I think you have to hit that 11-win mark. I think you set the bar there. Uh, you got to go get that again. You got to win the division. Anything over 11 wins or just winning the if 10 wins wins you the division, I think I think we'll we'll be good there. Um, And it is crazy about the expectations. And we talked about earlier and how fast they come. Uh, But you got to go win a playoff game. You got to uh, for this to kind of make sense for everyone to kind of, you know, all the money that was spent to try to get a lot of these guys back. You know, a lot of them are, you know, Peters, uh, Sue, uh, just off the top of my head are two of the ones that we've brought in that really almost in a sense are one year deal because they're up for a contract next year. Uh, we got to re-sign Gurley and Goff. There's a lot of money that's got to be spent, and we got to, you know, have people want to stay here. So we got to go get that win. Uh, I think 11 is the mark. uh, 12 to kind of be an improvement on the year before uh, would be ideal. And you got to go win a playoff game. And you know, for for Rams Nation, I think as you were talking, as reading in those magazines, everyone's expecting us to, you know, get to the championship game and you know from there if we can make it to the super bowl that i think those are kind of where the expectations for the fan base is is nfc championship game and super bowl anything other than that i think they're going to kind of shake their head and go well how how do we not get that done with sure. you know what we did the year before and what we added so i think that's the bar it's a tough one but uh listen to these guys they have a really cool series called behind the grind it's kind of their hard knocks they're running in the off season right now and just the I'm sure every NFL team, if you went behind the, the scenes and you'd probably feel the same feel from it, uh, but you kind of get that championship mindset. You know they, they understand what they did last year was kind of setting the bar, and now they've got to go hit that and, and keep going. So uh, they're expecting those things as well. so that's the nice thing. They're not just coming in and going, you know we're going to try to win as many ball, games. you know they expect to, to be in those big time games.
2: And it says a lot that a lot of experts still expect the, the Rams to repeat again and to be serious Super Bowl contenders this year, even with as deep uh, as the NFC as a conference is going to be uh, in, in 2018. I mean, just the teams that are you know coming back from playoff years a year ago, teams like Green Bay that, that didn't make the playoffs because Aaron Rodgers was was injured what could san could San Francisco live up to the hype? Can the bears uh live up to the hype now that Detroit has a defensive minded coach can he help them balance it out so they don't have to score fifty points a game to to win and and things like that so many question marks on the n f c side it could be a murderer's row for someone to actually survive the n f c and get to the Super Bowl and it says a lot that some people think the Rams will be that team
1: yes we i I love that, and I hope that is true. Because uh, playoff football was fun for one game out here, I can only imagine if we could uh, get a couple extra games in the playoff atmosphere and and take it. And you know, it was tough watching those other couple teams, you know, continue on last year and thinking that we could compete with them. So it's gonna be fun. I hope uh, the Bears can kind of bounce back because Chicago, as we mentioned a couple times, is just a fun sports city. Everything's a lot better when you get you know those those big time cities involved and. Those big-time markets, uh, you know, into the, the those games. So, would love to see some, you know, serious football late in, in December, uh, out there in Chicago
2: as well. Yeah, I definitely uh, definitely would agree with you on that. So, so uh, Brad, where can we uh, find you online? What uh, where can we find the uh, the show? Right.
1: Yeah, definitely. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at LockedOnRams. You can find me personally at la underscore Rambling and then you can find the website at uh, LockdownRams.com.
2: What's the story with the Twitter name? What is that? The so, Rambling Bear?
1: Yeah, so my nickname of life has been Bear, basically. So I, I go by uh, Bear as my nickname since you know I was in early college. And it just kind of happens to coincide. And I was trying to incorporate my name. And as you can tell in this podcast, as we go you know, nearly over an hour, I, I like to talk. So Rambling Bear, my buddy kind of threw it at me when I joined Twitter, and it, it just it, it felt right.
2: <laughs> All right. All right, well, Brad, thanks so much uh, for, for coming on the show, helping us preview these, uh, these LA Rams, and uh, look forward to having you on in, uh, in early December, uh, just before that Week 14 matchup, before your, uh, your Rams and my Bears, and uh, just see how meaningful that late-season uh, late game will be uh, for both teams.
1: Awesome, Larry. I appreciate you having me on. Anytime you want to, you know, chat some football, let me know. And as we get closer to that game, start maybe thinking of a fun bet you want to do. I'm always down to, Uh, uh, you know, put a little something on the line. And, you know, whether it's a hat or a jersey or whatever you want to do. And if I'm out there in Chicago, I'll I'll look you up. We'll have a beer,
2: my friend. Sounds good, man. Thanks so much. Brad Mater, helping us preview the 2018 LA Rams. Once again, I want to thank Brad Mater, the trader, for being on the show, and for having a good sense of humor about his new nickname. And um, yeah, I was not expecting that when when uh, when he said that he was a uh, basically a new fan. Like the last couple of years, decided to go all in 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 2016 when there was zero incentive to do so. One of the worst teams in football, you know, Jeff Fisher, a lame duck coach, and you know all that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't know. You got to respect it a little bit, I guess. You know, for him to dive in on a team like that, uh, you know, I, like I, I like I said during the interview, I totally expected him to say that, you know, the Bears were were terrible in, in the mid to late '90s when he was younger, and um, here comes the greatest show on turf, and I've been a Rams fan ever since. That would have made sense uh, then, because uh, when you're young and impressionable, you see something like that, why not? And uh, but. To hear him say that he's been, you know, kind of waning back and forth and his loyalties because he's been moving all, around, all over the country and whatnot. And then uh, for him to move to L.A., he just decided to to go ahead and, and get in on the ground floor with the Rams coming into the market once again. Um, was not expecting to hear him say that. So, yeah, I look forward to having him back on. I believe I said week 14 is when the uh, the Bears and the Rams butt heads in Soldier Field this time around. So it uh, should be an interesting matchup um very interested to see where all of this is going to be at that point uh if it's a very important game for both teams or just one or neither you never know it is the nfl after all and think about the conversation we had be- before the interview about how crazy it is in the nfc and how deep and the you know lot, like we're, we pretty much have an idea about how it's going to all kind of shake out but it's the NFC. Hell, it's the NFL. New playoff teams emerge every single year, and could some of those questions we asked about Seattle, Arizona, San Francisco, could they be this year's L.A. Rams? Could the Bears, like everybody's been talking about, could they be this year's uh, L.A. Rams? I mean, when we're sitting there talking in the interview uh, about the the parallels of what 2017 2016 going into 2017 was it sounded a lot like talking about the Bears. We went out we got this young head coach. We managed to to, to keep the veteran or bring in a veteran defensive coordinator. And uh, we had some talent on the defensive side already. The The offseason for this year was all about adding parts and, and pieces to help, uh, you know, rise the stock of our young, uh, thriving quarterback and blah, 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 blah. I mean, that's why everybody keeps drawing these parallels between the Bears and and the Rams just because you can't deny that they were on very similar paths with each other, uh, very similar paths, parallel to one another. So it's, it's uh, been interesting, uh, to see. I mean, and it just sounded like we were talking about the bears when we were actually, in fact, talking about the Rams and them actually being able to work out, uh, what they were trying to accomplish a year ago. Can the bears do that, uh, this year? And then finally, um, the bet thing, um, I'm probably not going to do that uh, I'm superstitious um, when it comes to things like that uh, I um, kind of follow the the rule that I guess got Pete Rose busted by the Hall of Fame or you know booted out of the Hall of Fame or booted out of baseball I guess I should say was that um, you know I guess they found evidence that he was betting on his own team and you never bet on your own team so you know back when I used to work in the Uh, when I used to work for AT&T and and all of a sudden I'm surrounded by Packer fans after they won the Super Bowl in 2010 Um, everybody was wanting because they all knew that I was a huge Bears fan they all knew that I had the podcast and all that kind of stuff everybody always wanted to do some kind of bet with me and I would never take it not because I didn't think the Bears could win but because I was certain that if I did bet on them they would lose and not because I'm bad luck or anything it's just like that's that's the superstition and I don't believe in betting on your own team. You want to talk about Rams 49ers or, you know, anything like that. I'll, I'll, I'll take that bet, you know, Colts, Patriots, whatever. Let's do that. I'll, I'll, t- I'll take that bet, but you want to talk bears, anybody, no way. I won't do it. It's uh it, like, it's a superstition that I've had for many years. Uh, I don't believe on, on betting on my own team. So I do not think that I'll be taking Brad up on that offer to do the whole bet just to make things interesting and blah blah, blah. No way. I'm I do not do that. I am vehemently against doing such a thing. I don't bet on my own team. So um as fun as that sounds, not gonna take them up on it. I can tell you that right here, right now. So uh anyway, that is going to do it for the LA Rams. That is going to do it for the NFC West. We move on to the NFC North, and uh believe it or not. Uh, aside from our beloved, who awesomely finished in last place once again, um, the last place finisher outside of that was Green Bay last year with a 7-9 and nine record, so the Packers are actually up first uh, in our NFC North opponent preview. So Evan Western from the Acme Packing Company on SB Nation will be joining us on Monday night uh, to help preview these Packers and talk about what a year it was for for them in 2017 and, and this, that, and the other. Looking forward to hearing what that's going to be like because we um, played Packers early last year, uh, week week four and week, week 10, I believe it was, and... Uh, you know, yeah, Rodgers had been hurt at that point, but they weren't, the season wasn't quite over with yet uh, when they played us. And uh, for that Week 10 matchup that I lost my mind over, I'm sure you guys remember. That. I got a lot of comments about that. You guys enjoyed my tirade after that game. But, um, you know, a lot's happened since then. Rodgers was healthy. He came back, only came back for one game, and then the Packers kind of threw in the towel uh, and all the rest of that. They made some moves during the offseason. They got a brand new GM and so on and so forth, made some really interesting moves during the draft. So lots to talk about, lots to uncover there uh, with Evan. And then later on in the week after the holiday, we're going to have Jeremy Reisman from uh, Pride of Detroit to talk about the Lions and then we wrap it up with Chris Gates before we talk about the Bears and shut it all down before training camp kicks off on the 19th for our beloved so we'll be back on Monday with our first NFC North opponent preview episode 11 of 14 and until then my name is Larry D and this has been the Chicago Bears Review